0: Hello and thank you for listening to Put Your Belt on America. This is episode 6 and I'm Nathaniel Adams and we are going to talk today about the evidence of the resurrection. I'm with Caleb George
1: today. Alright, so what do we got today? We're going to talk about the case for the historicity or the veracity, the truthfulness of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Okay. Yeah, so I'm going to basically present a case that has already been developed by Dr. William Lane Craig. Uh, He's well known in the apologetics community. And the case that he presents, I find to be very convincing uh, and powerful. Uh, Granted, I was already a Christian by the time I heard it for the first time. But many people who aren't necessarily Christians have also found it to be quite convincing. Well, that's good. Because, I mean, we we as Christians, we're not expected
0: to blindly follow uh, tradition or blindly follow. things that have no reasoning or logic behind them I and mean, we use we use evidence all the time and some will admit it more than others but you know we can't just do things because we've heard it from mr. preacher heard it from mom and dad you know we got to know for ourselves and have some sort of background uh, for why we have faith
1: yeah that's right I think a lot of Christians don't ever really understand or, or question the underpinnings of their faith and uh, they've been taught by mom or dad or grandma or grandpa and uh, and it's okay that some people maybe question less than others, uh, but there are certainly curious people, there's people that occasionally will have doubts, um, and we also need to understand these things so that we can convince others uh, who aren't already in the Christian community. That's a, that's a great point. We, I mean,
0: that's part of our main goal is to introduce others to this. So, all right, so what are some of the main
1: facts? Yeah, there's four main facts that William Lane Craig likes to build his argument around. And these are facts that are generally agreed upon by the majority of New Testament scholars and critics and by that I'm not referring to people who are pastors uh, or people that are Christian Bible teachers I'm talking about people that are experts in the field of New Testament criticism people that are experts on the documents of the New Testament uh, and so these people don't necessarily have to be Christians they don't even necessarily have to believe that there is a God. There are plenty of atheist New Testament scholars and Bart Ehrman is one of the most famous ones. So we're talking about facts that are agreed upon by people who are experts on these documents in the New Testament and they're experts on the historical events that are mentioned in those documents. The first fact that we want to talk about is that Jesus of Nazareth was Buried in a tomb by Joseph of Arimathea. We'll talk more about why that's important later. The second fact is that a group of Jesus' women followers found Jesus' tomb to be empty three days later. The third fact is that multiple people in both individuals and groups in various circumstances had experiences Of Jesus being alive after he was dead the final argument or the final the fact that we're going to talk about is that Jesus original apostles came to believe with a conviction that was incredibly strong and powerful it motivated them the rest of their lives they believed with all their heart that Jesus truly was alive after he had died and so we want to deal with these four facts in a way that, or we want to come up with a theory to explain these facts in a way that is sufficiently powerful and broad in scope, uh, we want to see these facts in light of a theory that explains them well.
0: Yeah, and and another thing, you know, we we're, these facts are mainly, some of these are attributed just towards... Um, backing up that this actually happened, but then some of these are actually geared towards backing up the facts that are probably the most important, such as him actually rising from the dead. And in episode four, we talked about some of the significance of these uh, items. And so some of this is geared towards, again, over what people have uh, targeted as to uh, historical uh, facts that we can correlate the Bible to that will then strengthen the uh, arguments of its uh, truth. But some of these, again, are based on those probably most important is such as him actually being resurrected.
1: Yeah, and before we really get into this, I'd also like to say that the case for the resurrection is incredibly important for the Christian to defend his faith. Paul essentially says in 1 Corinthians 15, if Jesus did not, in fact, rise from the dead, the Christian faith is meaningless. There's no reason to even engage in it Um, and he says we are of all men the most pitiable if we believe in this faith of Christianity and yet Jesus himself did not rise from the dead all of the Christian faith is predicated upon the hope that we will one day also be raised from the dead and we use the example of Jesus kind of as our exemplar he's the prototype of what will happen to us and so if that did not happen there's no reason to become a Christian so the resurrection of Jesus is the foremost evidence we present for the faith of Christianity. It is not, however, a primary source of evidence for the idea that there is a God.
0: Yeah, and I, I think that's good to know because there's two. There, there's a lot of different things in the Bible that, that we have evidence for, that we talk about, that we need to um, come up with some sort of backing that we are allowed to... Um, have faith that they actually happened or that they exist and this lesson in particular is going to be talking about like you said the resurrection which is not going to be the same arguments for um, why we believe that there is a one true God. There there are certainly many arguments and that that can be another future lesson for sure but this is this is uh, that's a good point I'm glad you brought that up That this is geared towards one of these arguments.
1: Yeah Paul says in Romans 1 and verse 4 talking about Jesus he said who was declared the son of God with power by the resurrection from the dead according to the spirit of holiness Jesus Christ our Lord and so Paul here says that Jesus was declared to be the son of God by the resurrection of the dead he does not say God was declared to exist by the resurrection of Jesus
0: uh, yeah. And so, and, and I think another thing, I think Paul, I think you would agree that he's more gearing towards people who believe in God, but then question the resurrection.
1: Yeah, and the benefit that we have is that most people in the world do believe and know that there is a God. Uh, so you're usually not having to establish that fact before you go into this discussion. Uh, however, if you do find yourself talking to someone who doesn't believe that a God exists, you probably don't want to begin with this topic. You'll first want to establish that there does uh, exist a god either using the cosmological or teleological or some other uh, Existence uh, of God argument So w- once you're on that level footing with somebody someone that does believe that there is a god then you can uh, Follow up on these four historical facts that we've just talked about that. Jesus was buried by Joseph Arimathea in the tomb that some of his women disciples uh, found the tomb empty later that multiple people experienced Jesus as being alive after his death and that the original apostles believed with all their heart that Jesus was in fact still alive after his death. And now we have to come up with a theory to explain these facts. Alright so let's begin by establishing the first fact that we uh, mentioned earlier. The fact that Jesus was buried by Joseph of Arimathea in his tomb. Now the significance of this is that Jesus was not uh, left out in the open, thrown in some ditch somewhere after his circum or after his uh, crucifixion, to be scavenged by wildlife or something like that, or to be easily taken by thieves. Um, we can establish this on multiple lines of evidence. Uh, the first and earliest attestation to Jesus' burial uh, is in 1 Corinthians, chapter 15, and Paul there mentions that. Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures and that he was buried. Uh, Now, again, as I'm referencing New Testament documents here, I am not assuming that they are inspired for the purpose of this argument. Uh, I'm assuming that these are simply 2000 year old documents that were meant to truly express the thoughts and opinions of their authors and uh, in the case of the gospels to present historical biography. Uh, But in 1 Corinthians 15, Paul says that the idea that Jesus was buried is something that he himself received. Now, when did he receive that? Well, it was within a few short years of the death and resurrection of Jesus. And so. Received the knowledge, you mean? Right, received the knowledge of it. it. He says, I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received. Okay, so. The idea that Jesus was buried is a very old one. Uh, We're not talking about legend or myth material here. Uh,
0: Jesus was buried. Yeah, and I I think that's a good thing to bring up because anybody who, which I am probably not the person to discuss this, but anybody who's ever looked into how people accreditate historical documents will notice that some of the key things they'll do is, number one, they will see when the historical document was written with respect to the actual event that it talks about, such as the... Startup of Rome uh, was not documented until a much, much later time uh, to when it was actually began. So then you have the stories of Romulus and uh, Remus. Remus and Romulus, uh, yeah. Remus and Romulus, and uh, you have those uh, somewhat mythical stories because it was not written until a long time afterwards. And then the other thing is you will notice that. people will look at these documents and they will look at and try to find contradictions or see how well it flows together see if there's any any uh discontinuities in it or details lacking thereof and that's that's something that we can also use with the bible and you'll notice that it'll be it will be if you treat it the same way as any other historical document it will become
1: a accredited historical document so that's a good point to bring up yeah numerous ancient historians have attested to the the strong reliability of the new testament documents there have been entire books written about it Uh, and the book of first corinthians was written in the middle of the 50s in the first century Uh, and so we're talking about about 25 years after the death and burial of jesus Uh, in terms of history that's incredibly close to the actual events you match that with the fact that the writer of first corinthians was a man who was alive at the time of the death and resurrection of Jesus and the tradition that he says he received in first Corinthians 15 he when did he receive it he received it within five years of the death and resurrection of Jesus so we're not referring to something that had time to foment and, and develop a myth or a, a legend type status there wasn't enough time for that to happen There are other lines of evidence that we could use to establish the fact that Jesus was buried. We could look at Mark's account. Mark uh, was not an eyewitness to the event, but he had first hand material that he was drawing from. He had eyewitness testimony that he was using in his account. Uh, And we have other accounts in the new Testament documents to establish the fact that Jesus was buried. He was buried by Joseph of Arimathea, who was a rich man, And Luke says a member of the council or the Sanhedrin. Uh, This was a Jewish judicial body. Uh, And the fact that he was rich and the fact that he was a member of the council means that anyone could have verified the story. Uh, This would be like someone saying Ruth Bader Ginsburg had buried someone, you know, 20 years ago. Okay. It'd be, I'm going like I know who that is uh, She's a member of the Supreme Court uh, She's one of the oldest uh, Serving members of the Supreme Court The U.S. Supreme Court Okay, it'd be very easy to verify that Because she is living Even if she was dead, it'd be so easy to verify it Because it was very recent And she's someone that's very famous It'd be very easy to look into things that she had done Well, Joseph of Arimathea Was basically on the Jewish Supreme Court And that lends a lot of credence to to this fact that Jesus was buried by Joseph of Arimathea. He wasn't left in, as we said earlier, in a ditch somewhere to be scavenged by wild animals or to be stolen easily by uh, whoever wanted to. All right. The second fact that we have is that uh, on the Sunday following the crucifixion, several of Jesus' women followers found the tomb to be empty again we have numerous sources of evidence for that Uh, we have the different gospel accounts which again we're not assuming to be inspired by God we're taking them to be historical biography and that is the genre into which they fit it's not legend or myth you also see in 1st Corinthians 15 which we've already mentioned that Paul says one of the first things that he received when he when he became a Christian was that Jesus was raised on the third day the most reasonable explanation for this idea within the Christian community that Christ would have been raised on the third day is the fact that the women really did go and see that his tomb was empty on that third day. One of the things that's interesting about this fact is that early Christians believed and taught, and the authors of the New Testament documents wrote, that it was women who found the tomb empty. Nathaniel, did you know anything about How the testimony of women was viewed in first century Judaism?
0: Uh, I'm assuming it's uh, not any better than it is current day Palestine now. Uh,
1: Okay, uh, I hadn't thought about that, but that's probably true. That's what I'm assuming, it's
0: not any better. And that would probably be enough to make the argument uh, as far as the accreditation.
1: Yeah. Uh, This would not have been the most desirable source of testimony for the early Christians. Uh, It could have been even a somewhat embarrassing fact for the gospel writers that. The earliest witnesses were actually women, uh, whose testimony would not have held up in a court of law uh, within the Jewish nation at that time. Okay, so that points to the veracity, the truthfulness of that fact.
0: And I, I think another thing, uh, you know, when we were talking about verification of historical documents, another thing that people look at will be the de- the details, and almost sometimes the unnecessary details. And one that's tied to uh, this event of him being raised that's always stuck out to me is that whenever uh, the women uh, went and saw the tomb was empty, who did they go get? Got the apostles. They got Peter and the one that Jesus loved, which we we're saying is John. Um, and one of the details that I think is, um, it's, it's so interesting that it's even in there is it says that the that Peter and John went and ran to the tomb and it doesn't stop there. It's not like you're... So if you're making up a story and you're going to just put some filler in there, um, that's probably all you're going to put. You know, you're know, you not going to make up anything else. But it says, John outran Peter, so he got there first. And to me, uh, it's some of those details. Uh, and like you're about to talk about is, why would you say that the women saw him first? Why wouldn't you say that some famous male at the least but some famous person saw him would that not make a little more sense if he was writing this as a so to speak legend after the fact but i think some of those different details you look at it's kind of like well why why you know if, if you're wondering if this is a story you would ask why are those details in there um, but since this is not a uh legend or a myth it's an actual uh historical document i mean that's why it's in there it's because that's what happened
1: yeah absolutely nathaniel and so we can move on, I think, to the third and fourth facts now, which, uh, again, are not denied by the majority of New Testament scholars. The first one is that on, or really it's our third fact, on multiple occasions and under various circumstances, different individuals and groups of people experienced ex- appearances, experienced appearances of Jesus alive so that from the dead. Yeah, yeah, experienced appearances. Two very long words there. Um, but this is almost universally acknowledged by people that have studied the New Testament documents and events Uh, it's almost undeniable the final fact that we talk about is that the original disciples or apostles believe with all their heart that Jesus had in fact raised from the dead and that's what motivated them in their ministries for the rest of their lives to the death these four facts combined to present a strong case one of the first things that uh, people try to talk about to deny the resurrection is the idea, which we've already discussed, that perhaps uh, Jesus wasn't even buried. Uh, perhaps he was just thrown out somewhere, nobody could ever find him, and so they assumed that he was raised from the dead. you see any problems with that, Nathaniel, given the other facts?
0: Uh, I think fact number one probably addresses that.
1: Yeah, I mean, we already know there's multiple Historical attestations to the fact that Joseph of Arimathea buried him. Um, but, let's say then that he was buried uh, but maybe the women and the other apostles just didn't know where he was buried. Uh, and so they were mistaken. They thought that Jesus was buried in a tomb but it, it was actually the wrong one.
0: I believe that would put a, uh, quite a bit of emphasis on fact number three then. Uh, people witnessing him Because uh, we do know And I don't think anybody disagrees No historical document that I've ever heard of Disagrees that Jesus did in fact Die on the cross That is not where the argument starts The argument starts is after his death And so if someone has seen him After that point It, it would it would be easy to uh, uh, Say that that proves That the, the rest of the facts Are more likely to be true, to say the least.
1: Yeah, so here's another problem with that idea that they just went to the wrong tomb. They found an empty tomb. They thought it was Jesus, but it actually was the wrong one. If that was the case, then why didn't any of the Jews or the Romans, for that matter, say, you guys went to the wrong tomb, and here's the right one. Here's his corpse. It's right here. Uh, They very easily could have done that. But instead, they invented a story, and actually Matthew mentions this. Now, you can say, well, Matthew's just making up a story, but let me read it first. Matthew 28, verse 11 says, Now, while they were on their way, some of the guard, this is the guard of Jesus' tomb, they came into the city, that is Jerusalem, and reported to the chief priests all that had happened. And when they had assembled with the elders and consulted together, they gave a large sum of money to the soldiers who had guarded the tomb. And said, You are to say his disciples came by night and stole him away while we were asleep, and if this should come to the governor's ears we will win him over and keep you out of trouble. And they took the money and did as they had been instructed, and the story was widely spread among the Jews and is to this day. Okay. Matthew is saying, Here's how this story that Jesus' body was stolen came about. So and he says that this story is widely known among the Jews. Matthew is writing well after the events uh, that he's writing about, but apparently a story had come into popular circulation that Jesus body was actually stolen by the apostles. Well that seems like a strange story to invent if you could just find the body.
0: I think I, yeah, I I completely agree. And it's, um, it's kind of interesting. Um, know how we are told about uh, how those soldiers were paid off <laughs> to say certain things by people who couldn't explain where Jesus went but knew that there would be a problem but what they were trying to do was put down Christianity when they put down Jesus that was the goal and so it's kind of interesting uh, those details that are in there uh, about that and it's uh, again I think it's another detail <laughs> that uh, that we have that, that just emphasizes
1: some of the legitimacy. Matthew's not writing in a vacuum here. He's writing to a group of people who lived in the first century, who wanted to know more about Jesus' life. Matthew's writing to inform them and to counter some things that they were hearing in the culture in which they lived. Okay. So they were hearing from a lot of the Jews that Jesus' body had just been stolen by the apostles. That was the general Jewish response. When someone tried to talk to them about Jesus being raised from the dead, they would have said, uh, probably his apostles just stole the body. Um, and that points to the fact that they could not ever find the body themselves. The Jews didn't know where the body was. And, and I think along
0: these facts, when we talk about um, the legitimacy of the people who Uh, And this might allude a little more to fact number three as well. People who witnessed or saw Jesus after he was dead, and people that would talk about that. And pretty much the Jews, you know, they they claim here at this point, you know, they're essentially trying to spread a rumor that the apostles are lying that they just stole his body. They know he's dead, and they're just saying that he resurrected to continue the faith. Why in the world would you do that at this time in uh, we'll call it Roman history? What do you mean? Well, what I mean by that is, let's look at the people who were in rule around the time of the Gospels uh, being written, or when we
1: think the Gospels were written. So, around what time do we think the Gospels were written? Uh, they were written at different times. Uh, you know, Mark was the earliest, and people generally say either 50s or early 60s. Um, Matthew and Luke, maybe later in the 70s or 80s, and then John toward the end of the 90s. okay. So what I mean by that is, let's think about those uh, good, you know,
0: rulers of Rome, and especially the ones that came about in the 50s and 60s. So one of those being Nero. And one of the main points I want to make here is why? Why would these uh, Christians? Why would these early Christians make up this stuff and try to spread it when they knew that there was great persecution to come? And it, it, if even if the ones that wrote it weren't during Nero's reign or just before Nero's reign. Even if it was the people that were spreading it, let's really think about the persecution they had to deal with in order to continue to spread this. So do do you really believe that we're going to be spreading mythology and legends that we don't wholeheartedly believe if we are being oppressed in times such as
1: that? There would have been tremendous pressure to just sit down and shut up for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there wouldn't have been a lot of incentive to just make stuff up and, and declare it uh, publicly. So, uh, you know, with the, the idea that there are multiple appearances of Jesus post-mortem, uh, in 1 Corinthians 15, you have Paul saying that he appeared to Cephas, this is verse 5 of 1 Corinthians 15, then to the 12, and after that he appeared to more than 500 brethren at one time, most of whom remain until now but some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James and to all the apostles, and last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared to me also." So Paul is providing a litany of eyewitnesses here that people at that time could have investigated, verified the accounts. Pretty much no one today argues that there weren't post-mortem experiences of Jesus being alive. The only thing that is debated is What constituted those experiences? You know, was that Jesus actually being raised from the dead, as Christians believe, or uh, as those who do not believe uh, sometimes suggest, were these just hallucinatory experiences? Now, do you know anything about hallucinatory experiences, Nathan? Um, no. And I'm going to say,
0: I'm going to go out on a limb and say that I don't know how many large groups experience the same hallucinations at the same time I don't know where you're going with this
1: but. yeah uh, that doesn't happen um, and so it's pretty easy to disprove this also the fact that um, throughout all these different experiences there seems to be a lot of consistency in how they saw Jesus and what their interaction with him was like um, it just doesn't make sense here's another thing fourth point that we've already talked about is that the original disciples believed firmly that jesus was in fact raised from the dead Uh, and this was based in large part upon these experiences that they had with him after his death so in the first century when someone thought that they were seeing someone who was dead it didn't mean to them wow i guess this person's actually alive but if if they had a hallucinatory experience they thought they saw someone that was dead it did not mean for them wow i guess they were raised from the dead it meant wow they are definitely dead and i'm seeing a ghost uh, and you see this idea in the gospels when the apostles first saw jesus after his death do you remember how they reacted
0: um let's see who was it that asked to or had to uh famously uh, touch him to make sure that uh, he was real Thomas yes good old quote doubting Thomas which I don't I don't I can't quite blame him if I saw somebody that I thought was surely dead uh, even at this time you know we might could say that we'd be better off but you know sometimes I think old Thomas gets a bad rap but yeah
1: yeah that's exactly right and the Apostles we're not anticipating a resurrection that's important to point out um, they didn't think Jesus was going to be raised from the dead Jesus had told them that he would but you look at how they reacted after his death and it's clear that they didn't expect it they didn't understand Jesus words and in Luke 24 when the women come back from the tomb and they say hey we found his tomb and it was empty um, they say in verse 11 or this is Luke 24 verse 11 but these words appeared to them as to the apostles as nonsense and they would not believe them okay even after they have a experience with Jesus after his death uh, it says in verse 36 of that same chapter while they were telling these things they're, they're talking about something that had happened he himself as Jesus stood in their midst and said to them peace be to you but they were startled and frightened and thought they were seeing a spirit They still didn't believe this was actually Jesus. Uh, They thought they were seeing a spirit. Perhaps it was Jesus, but it was in some sort of disembodied form. This was his dead spirit.
0: And and I think, you know, it's not not like um, like this is something really new. It's not like the apostles the whole time were completely on board and understood everything Jesus said, knew all about it, knew what to expect, said, hey, you know, you're going to be crucified and resurrected. We get it. We know what's going to happen. We have no problems with it. I mean, let's go back. You can look at multiple stories of when they're asking, you know, who's going to be a ruler? When you know, when are you going to have your kingdom established? Uh, and then we go back to when he was actually taken to begin the, pers- the persecution for the resurrection, you know. Who helped Jesus out? You know, I mean, we, we, we see these people get kind of scattered and are uh, distraught. Why would you be distraught or so sad? and run away um, you know if you were 100% sure what was going to happen I mean I don't I, th- I think that you know you know these apostles they, they certainly had faith and they certainly believed in Jesus but um, I think it'd be hard for any human at, at this time especially to uh, wholeheartedly 100% without any doubt uh, believe that all this is going to happen and not deny him three times so
1: yeah, that's right. They, they weren't anticipating this at all. When they do see Jesus, they think they're just seeing a spirit, some sort of ghost form of Jesus after his death. And when he's offering them uh, to touch him and see him, he says, See my hands and my feet. Touch me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. It says that they still couldn't believe it in verse 41. They still could not believe it. Uh and then he eats something in front of them, and finally they accept it. It took immense evidence to combat their extreme skepticism. Yeah, if you can eat, you can't be dead, right? That's a common it, fact, right? That's generally agreed upon. Okay. So, you know, these facts combined, and I, I think they're very powerful, and there's so much more depth to these. You know, in a 20- in a to 30-minute podcast, we're not going to be able to delve into this as deeply as... Uh, we'd like to encourage you to Um, there are multiple books that have been written Uh, N.T. Wright has one of the more famous books on it Uh, William Lane Craig has some good material on it obviously delve into the scriptures faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God and as you look into the gospel accounts you look into the epistles and you look at them from a historical perspective you dig into the consistency uh, and the detail I think you're going to come away with a pretty strong case for the fact that Jesus was in fact raised from the dead.
0: Yeah, I think those are good arguments, Caleb. And Caleb, I thank you for coming on here and giving us some of this information. This is good to know this is good to know about everything we believe, not just the resurrection and why we um, why we believe in the Bible. You know, you can look to multiple events, multiple situations, multiple people, and correlate the Bible with different historical documents as well as other factual evidence that, you know, kind of helps us, helps us get our base of why we have our faith, you know, because if you don't have faith, then it's hard to believe any of this, but the thing is, how do you get that faith? You're not expecting to just blindly well, believe what okay. um, Thanks, everyone, for listening today. Um, we hope this has been beneficial. Um, next time will be episode six, and we're going to go over another current event.